Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 59 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. With me, as always, is the fantastical Sarah D. Bunting. I am fantastical. You are right. Hello, Mark. Hello, and I am your host, Mark Blankenship. And Sarah, why don't you tell us about the listener request that we'll be discussing today? Uh, Michelle F. asked ages ago that we talk about Michael Jackson's Black or White. Uh, I am not sure how we got to, I know we say this all the time, but I'm not sure how we got 59 episodes in without talking about MJ. Well, here's the thing. How have we spoken so much of Yvonne Elliman, but made it to episode 59 without getting to Michael Jackson? I, I, it's, it's, it's a ponderable mystery. I, it is. And uh, while we ponder that and a video that not only contained George Went and Macaulay Culkin, but contained a hip hop break in which Macaulay Culkin was kitted out in Flavor Flav gear on the set of apparently Sesame Street... There's a lot going on here. Yes. Understatement of the year. Let's listen to a little clip, uh, including that hip hop break, and then let's try to unpack the 78 suitcases of luggage that come with this song. Yes. Spend my life being a color. Did you agree with me when I saw you kicking dirt in my Michael Jackson to be trying to address race relations is, I feel, a pathology that I, as a white lady and creative writing major, am not qualified to address. But this is not the only conflict here. Uh, the song itself I don't care for. I, I think it's a little pandery, lyrically. The guitar sounds flimsy and cheap. Uh, the video is dated and embarrassing. But looking at Michael Jackson himself in the video, even knowing everything that we know about him and how off the rails it went and how weird and fucked up it is for this person with the completely bizarro like self-image uh, this like dystopic view of himself or dysmorphic, I guess, view of himself. Although there's addressing... a certain quality of the dystopia as well. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and the kind of 
never mind the never mind the possibly like racial dysmorphism that he may have been suffering from and again i'm not a doctor and i didn't know him and i can't say but that he had been so famous for so long that he was clearly removed from any like real world application of um racism as it would be described by any like civilian you have all that and then you have him in his like white shirt and black pants my god could he could he dance he could still dance it almost cancels out all the other shit that's going on with the song none of which is like even it doesn't even sink to the level of terrible it's just kind of like what are we doing here <laughs> but he's having the time of his fucking life he's absolutely his most himself when he's like getting to dance and th and think of uh, like think of his life and his work as dance and lose himself whatever that shifting uh off sense of self might have been he can disappear into dance i don't know if you saw that uh documentary it was released shortly after his death and it was about that last tour that he was preparing oh i for. think yeah this is it i think yes. it was called um if you haven't seen it and you two listeners even if you don't like really care much way much one way or the other about michael jackson you will be really surprised in a pleasant way about how brilliant he was artistically and how uh well able he was to um like translate his genius for the genius for the dance and genius for translating music into that movement that he um that he's able to talk about it so well and that he was like really a boss and it it all just seems like a waste once you've seen it that you're just like why why did this go so wrong and why didn't I ever get to meet him and like talk about narrative with him like this was a like he never gets credit for that how smart he was because everything else about him was so fucking gothically crazy and fucked up um but you know my take on him is also a little different because i do remember when he was like i remember off the wall being a thing so yeah i mean this this might be just one of those songs where like it's a um Rorschach for whoever's listening to it but what struck me was like the song is not great but what a pleasure to watch this guy doing what he did best and having a ball it it almost canceled out the rest of it mark hmm oh man sarah i have so many complicated feelings about my relationship to michael jackson's music uh let me just contextualize by saying that i remember so clearly when this music video premiered, it premiered on all of these networks at once. Oh, at, yeah. the at the time that it premiered, it was the highest rated thing that had ever been on Fox. Because this was 91 when Fox was still a baby network. Right. So just I feel like this is in one of those oral histories about late night somewhere that th this was like his context of like the shifting landscape of TV at that time. Anyway, go on. And the, 
this was a period when I was in seventh grade. And so if the business of popular culture put this much effort into telling me I was supposed to love something, I would love it because I was 13. <laughs> so uh -huh. of course I watched the video and of course I thought that the morphing faces at the end featuring among others, a very young Tyra Banks were just the greatest things I'd ever seen. And, you know, even today I can admit that as tinny as the guitar sounds, the like that's a pleasant loop. Right? That's it's, catchy. Yeah, it's not a bad break, and it definitely has... I mean, when someone says Michael Jackson's black or white, that's what comes into my head. Like, it's yes. definitely still associated with it and memorable. And this was just a period when... This was... a Michael Jackson, as musician, had long stopped existing, and Michael Jackson as world-dominating business force, or whatever you want to call him. Like, he was... He was no longer someone who released singles. He was someone who created events. And yeah. so, of course, Black or White was number one for seven weeks because it was the new Michael Jackson song. There was an almost like, there was a, a sense of fatigue that I get now thinking about the force with which all of this was shoved into the world. And, <laughs> you know, I feel like that, I, I feel this sadness when I remember Michael Jackson from this song onward because obviously this was also the last moment before the, all of the child molestation stuff was happening and this Michael Jackson clearly had some very um, dysfunctional relationships to sexuality and adulthood and the yes. fact that he's with Macaulay Culkin here and you know I don't to me and it's just so sad like this this brilliant gifted person who from the age of eight or nine or ten was shoved into the spotlight and told to dance literally and figuratively that he was not able to handle it and became someone who kept retreating into childlike things or at least this is how it seems to me this is the narrative that was created but at the same time that he was retreating yeah i mean and not that that whatever did or did not happen and i think some things happened it's not okay and but you can see you can see how it got to that point and so when he's but when he's not retreating into the innocence of childhood he's retreating into megalomania and insisting that he be called the king of pop which was his idea and he at one point released a greatest hits album called history and announced it by sending a giant statue of himself down the thames river and I feel like this song and the video somehow managed to encapsulate both of the wearying things about Michael Jackson, which is the the <laughs> yes. the, the forced innocence. Wearying, that's yes. flawless. The forced innocence and the, the rampant megalomania. And I just feel like, oh, I'm weary. I'm, the whole song makes me weary. Yeah, I, I think that's about right. I This is the issue with Michael Jackson always at this point is that there's been so much for so long that it is extremely difficult to pull apart. Like, I mean, I led with the fact that it's like, I can't sort of address the song on its own merits. Like, not least because it goes on and on 
and it's just like this was the shortened version that I pulled it from, and it was still six minutes. Yes. And the production values just seem a little bit uh, out of phase, like just a little bit ch- cheap sounding. And there are so many ways in which, like, it's simultaneously groundbreaking and several years out of date even for its own time. Right. And that's, that's also like the, like one of the many paradoxes of Michael Jackson, you know, is that, yeah, he's, it's like, well, maybe this is new to you because you literally never go outside, but this is not like, what are you, what are you doing? Like maybe if you actually looked like uh, another, you know, like other human beings look, and could go out and be among them undetected, you would have a better sense of, of of what life is actually like and where the culture is artistically. Right. What may- but at the same time, he never gave up trying, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel the same way you do, and it is exhausting to try to think about. And, uh, like, I have enormous pity for him. Yeah. I think it was really, really difficult to get through a day being Michael Jackson. I think it sucks. And I have to say that I have reached a point where because of that sense of weariness and that sense of pity, which I think is another excellent word, I almost can't listen to his songs anymore because there's just it's hard for me to hear them without hearing all of that other stuff. And as much as I love The Way You Make Me Feel, for instance, or the song Will You Be There from this album or many of the songs from off the wall or thriller it's like i i feel like we as a culture destroyed this man and all i can think about is what we did to him but then of course you think about someone like madonna who is okay is okay or even janet jackson who in 91 was arguably as famous as her brother i mean nobody was ever as famous as michael jackson probably but like in 91 Janet Jackson was a massive star and still managed to create really good music. So it's like the particulars of Michael Jackson's life and personality made it so that he didn't get out of this. He couldn't get out. And also from what I can tell, like maybe the particulars of his crazy family and Janet somehow was the one who broke free. Who knows? Well, And I think that's, I think that's the difference is that Michael started doing this at age, what? Eight. And, was not like Madonna's drive to become Madonna was um, not sui generis, but like it was, it came from her. Right. Michael Jackson's drive to become the king of pop started with Joe. Yes. And there was some really fucked up abuse in that family. And I don't think Michael Jackson was necessarily ever in a position to like receive himself in his own life. Well, if you ever so, read stories about what it was like for the Jackson five on the road and young Michael, oh. I read some story once about young Michael being forced to be in a hotel room while his older brothers were having sex with girls that they brought in. Yeah. I think in the same bed pretending to be, asleep. yeah, like that's not going to go anywhere good for anyone. And, and after the that poor guy, I mean, of course you grow up with a really distorted view of you know and it's so interesting because this song is so clearly meant to be a happy 
up with people type song and what is it leading us to but this you know like it's just that's the path that michael jackson sends us on but what i'd like to do for a moment if i may is uh <laughs> turn us to uh, another person who's involved with this song that i find very interesting if i may of course Please so this do, song was because how much more can we say about yeah the tragedy of mj this song was uh co-written and co-produced by a by a man named bill bottrell and he is a white dude who actually performs the rap in black or white that we heard in the clip. Huh. And I okay. apparently that was meant to be the scratch vocal that they were going to then offer to another quote-unquote real rapper. But Michael Jackson liked what Bill Bottrell did, and so it stayed. And then, interestingly enough, just... I mean, it's cheaper. Exactly. And then just a few <laughs> years later, Bill Bottrell created a group of musicians in California called the Tuesday Night Music Club. You might be familiar with the name of that because one of those musicians in the Tuesday Night Music Club was Sheryl Crow, who had been a backing vocalist for Michael Jackson on the Bad Tour. Sheryl Crow's debut album was called Tuesday Night Music Club, and she and Bill Bottrell co-wrote All I Want to Do. Huh. So it's really interesting to see that, like, weirdly, Michael Jackson and Sheryl Crow are intimately linked in a lot of different ways. Huh. And, yeah, that is interesting. And I I just think what he always wanted to do, like, he wanted to be this hugely famous uh, superstar and innovator. But I, I think on some level he understood. He would have been happier if he could have just had his own, like, little traveling Wilburys. Right. Or just gone and like, I don't know, like, this week I'm going to learn the banjo. And he's like playing with this little surgical mask on, like, whatever. Not to be writing posthumous fanfic about MJ, but I've read just about every Elvis biography there is. And, you know, the original King, it was the same thing. Like, it just started too soon and got to be too much for them. And it's very difficult to separate now the music from the myth making. Right. That has happened, not just because they have passed away either, but because of the, you know, like that was always part of it. So another thing that's Michelle, thank you for bringing us this song. Yeah. Well, I, I do, but I, I, I feel like you might be disappointed in our analysis of the song because it's completely overshadowed by the guy. If I may, though, I keep saying if I may, it's Mark and Sarah. I have the right, but whatever. You mentioning Elvis (laughs) reminded me that it was so quaint to me now to look back and think about how outraged people were by the end of the video for Black or White, when really Michael Jackson is using that final section of the video after the song has ended and he's transformed from a panther into a man and he's breaking a car and trying to battle racism it's actually, I still, I think probably the most successful part of the whole black or white enterprise is the part where he's just dancing and he's actually just trying to vent some frustration. And it's so funny that yeah. that is the thing that nobody wanted from him at the time. But now, and you think about Elvis too and all of the controversy that he created for shaking his hips or whatever. And it's like, man, that, isn't that funny that, that nobody wanted that? But in a way, it almost reads to me as the most valuable part of the whole black or white thing yeah and that it's the most it's the most him right part of it oh mj all right well michelle i hope i hope we did some justice to the song 
which we don't like, and to the video, which we sort of do, even though we're exhausted <laughs> by it. Um, and hopefully we'll get back to some other Michael Jackson uh, later in a later episode, uh, one that's a little less, one that's like from earlier and is a little less... Uh, Fraught. Yeah, but I don't, I think they might all be retroactively fraught. But I will say too, at this point, speaking of early 90s, uh, next is episode 60. It's going to be an album ranking episode, listeners. And uh, do join us because we're going to be ranking every song on Tori Amos's Little Earthquakes, which I am very excited to do. And uh, it's going to be fraught in a different way. <laughs> Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Today's theme song was written by David Gregory Byrne and you can dig more of his chili at davidgregoryburn.com. If you'd like to place an ad, request a song, or arrange for Mark, me, to read your pop chart horoscope, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at talksongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or hit up our Facebook page at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And if you like the podcast, let us know. Leave us a positive review on iTunes or the podcast download interface of your choosing. And please download the music you hear legally. Yes. So until next time, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this. And this. Is Mark and is Sarah. Mark and Sarah. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. <laughs> <laughs> me and how could something so right go so wrong my love sweet love Mark and Sarah talk about songs talk about songs talk about Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.